If you have a Bible, if you'll open it to John uh, chapter 3. I'm sorry, chapter 5. You know, at this point in, in, in my age, uh, threes look like fives from a distance. <laughs> John chapter 5. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the feast of the Jews. Now there were in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for such a long time, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who'd been healed, it's the Sabbath and the law forbids you to carry your mat. Legalism was just never a good idea, was it? But he replied, well, the man who made me well told me to pick up my mat and walk. So they asked him, well, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Jesus poses this great question that we look at today. A certain man, an invalid, spent most of his life laying by the pool. There were many people laying by that pool, and it was believed that an angel would occasionally stir the water in that pool. And when that happened, the people that were the first person into the water while the water was stirring would create healing and the person in the water while that was happening would be healed of whatever their infirmity was. This man in front of Jesus had been laying by that pool for 38 years. And Jesus walks up to him and asks a simple question, although you would think it's rather an obvious question, do you want to get well? But it's a good question. There's all kinds of implications to however he answers that question. Does he want to be well? Does he want all that comes with being well? All the changes that will be made in his life if he wants to get well. So we already know the man had been counting on this miracle for 38 years. And in answering Jesus' question, we hear of two or more problems that kept him from getting well. First, he says, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirring. That's the first problem. Apparently there's no friends, or maybe the friends had given up, or maybe he never had any friends. But for whatever reason, he needed help. Someone would have to get him in that water. And for 38 years, apparently, no one had either been willing to do that or wasn't there at the right time when the water might be stirring. He says, I have no one to help me. Secondly, 
he had clearly assumed the only way to get well was to go in that water when it was stirring. And there would be far more ways to get well. In fact, the only miracle he needed could only be given by the miracle maker. And his name was Jesus. He was about to find out how wrong he was. That his only option of getting well was getting that water. And you have to wonder why no one had helped him into the pool at this point. Had he alienated his friends and family? Did he wear out his welcome with friends who got tired of sitting there day after day, waiting for water to be mysteriously stirred and trying to get there first? In another story, we read of a paralytic who was carried by four friends to Jesus, and they had to tear a hole in the roof to lower him down right in front of Jesus. So it's amazing, the man on the mat that was lowered through the roof, he had four dedicated friends that were willing to create basically a burglary and get on top of a home and bust through the ceiling to get their, their man down to Jesus in front of everybody else, making the whole crowd angry probably because they, he had jumped the line. You know what it's like when someone jumps the line. When you're in line at Walmart or when you're in line getting your driver's license renewed and somebody gets ahead of you. And I can be a Christian for 40 some years and that for a moment I turn into a heathen. Now, I don't say anything or do anything, thank God. <laughs> the, the day I lose it that much, they're going to go, oh, aren't you the pastor of that church? You know? And yeah, I'm a jerk now, so uh, an old jerk at least. But anyway, not that that happened to me, but it's just an example. Uh, <clears throat> so. And, and that, that was a lie too. The paralytic had four friends lower him to Jesus. 38 years, this man didn't seem to have anybody that was willing to just get him in the pool when the water was stirring. And really, if you look at this story, and, and you quickly can observe in this text that the, this man was putting his faith in the wrong person. He was waiting for someone to get him to the pool in time, but the, the real miracle was going to happen, and it didn't need the pool. It didn't need any water. History says very few people were healed by that pool. Could it be that the community viewed this man or others there as lazy, sick people? Which is very unfortunate, unkind. Could it be this man had just been forgotten by everyone he'd ever known? Could it be everybody had just given up? We'll never know the answers to all those questions, but boy, do we sure get a lot in this text. Many of you know, because I talk about it a lot, that um, a, a gentleman in our church back in uh, 88, 89, um, caught me in the foyer one day and wanted to take me to lunch the next morning, and we, that was not something, I mean, we did that uh, somewhat frequently, older gentleman, and, and he picked me up on Monday, and we didn't go to lunch, we went to an AA meeting. <laughs> I'd never been to one in my life, and I wasn't sure why I was there in the first place. And what did he see in me that would lead him to believe I should go to one? That was my worry. And it really was none of those things. He just wanted me to see something that's happening that was changing a lot of people's lives. And as you know, I'm not going to tell the whole story. 
What I watched happen that day in that room with about 15 men from all walks of life, some who had stumbled in off the street and others who, by the world's view, would have been very extremely successful. And I watched them all as one, sharing phone numbers, saying, call me 24-7 if you feel tempted to drink. I watched that all unfolding in the room. And you know, some of you have heard the story. I sat there that day in 1988, and I said, that's what I want at church. I want that to happen in our church. That should be happening in the church. The first three steps of AA are key to answering the question, do you want to get well? Because if you want to get well, you have to admit your, pro- your problem. You've got to admit you're powerless. You've got to acknowledge that there is help available from someone greater than you and that he's able to restore us if we will then just simply turn our life over to him as best we understand him in the moment. I know a lot of people are waiting to to get all the facts and they wanna have all the questions answered and all the curiosity settled. And that's fine, I I think I applaud those who wanna dig and search to find truth of the Bible, you'll find it. But there also comes a time, and Jesus would affirm this over and over again, that we have to take a step of faith and say, based on all I know at this moment, based on what I know at this moment, this is a step worth taking. And frankly, there are some folks who have been shocked because unlike the gentleman laying by the pool for 38 years, you've had somebody who cared enough for you, loved you enough to want to tap you on the shoulder and say, I know you're struggling, how can I help you? Do you want to get well? And the answer is yes, and you'll walk alongside them And I see evidence of that uh, everywhere I look in our church through the week, certainly on the weekends. Do you want to get well? But really there's a a second question in there we have to think about today. You can just kind of note this and, and give it some thought. Do we want to help others get well? Are you willing to help someone else get well? It's the old phrase, we're just all beggars showing another beggar how to find bread. Are you, are you willing to help others get well? <clears throat> and I'm not talking about physically necessarily. It's all kinds of things that happen in our lives that cause us to not be well. Some of it's self-inflicted. Some of it's circumstances we cannot change, control. There's all kinds of things that happen in our lives that cause us to not be well. There's tragedies that jolt us, that take us out of our comfort zones, that put us into a season of life we would never have chosen. This happened last week. It's kind of heavy, but I think I want want you to know it. And um, last Sunday, uh, about 11 o'clock, Kim and I had gone to Nashville. Early that morning, we host a pastor's group every year, and we've been doing that. My dad started this in 1984. And uh, I'm in a season where they asked me to, ho- Kim and I are the hosts and moderators of the discussions. And so we've been doing that now for probably seven, eight years. <clears throat> and I can't find another pastor who'll step up to the plate and take over. I uh, hope they're listening. They're probably not listening to me because they're all preaching right now, which is the best actually. <clears throat> but we, we are continuing to do it and we have a great time together. 20 some pastors and spouses. It was a wonderful time. 
So Kim and I are getting the hotel ready and all that, the, the meeting room last Sunday morning, <clears throat> about 11.15, somewhere in there, we started getting all these texts. And what was happening is there was a large Sunday school class who had prayed earlier that morning in Sunday school at 9.30 for a two-year-old little boy who just had a terrible, terrible health issue. Came up like a flu or we're not sure. I'm not sure what that was. So they took him to Children's Hospital. The class had been praying for them. And then about 11.15, 11.20, somewhere in there, Sunday school class sitting in the venue got a text that the little two-year-old had died. That's heavy. It's really heavy. And throughout the week, I watched this Sunday school class. Our Sunday school classes anymore are the size of small churches. But I watched these people be the church. I watched Lance Ward, Jeff Hubbard, the Sunday school teacher, did a phenomenal job together celebrating the life of this two-year-old. I saw the church being the church. I saw the church willing to help someone who's very broken begin to get well. It's a long road. <clears throat> it's a long road. Long, long road. We'll never get too big in this church to not pray for somebody we don't know. So you can be praying for this family. They're trusting God. But you talk about a question. In this moment, I watched <clears throat> a lot of people choose to help someone else begin getting well. And it's going to take a long time. If you've been through the loss of a loved one or even certainly a child, <clears throat> you'll know how difficult and how long that road can be. So as Jesus looks at us and says, do you want to be well? I think he's also looking at us to say, I've made you well. Are you now willing to give to others, to share with others what I've done for you? Are you willing to put yourself out of your comfort zone occasionally and say, this is going to hurt. This is going to be messy. This is going to cause me to be very upset. <clears throat> but I'm going to jump into something because God, I sent you nudging me to go help somebody who needs help, someone who needs a lift, so to speak, someone who needs me to walk alongside them for a long time, if not for the rest of their life. You don't get over what this young couple experienced this past week, a week ago today. You don't get over that ever, but you can get through it. And they will. They're trusting in the only one who can get them through it. And I want to know if maybe you're not well, who are you trusting to help you get well? Do you want to be well? Do you want to help others get well? I think of these passages that fuel a, a great deal of what we do when we're helping others get well. Uh, Romans 14.1, accept him whose faith is weak. Romans 15.1, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. 2 Corinthians 11.30, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. That's why there's no room for arrogance 
in the body of Christ. I will boast of things that show my weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my power is made perfect in my weakness. And when we understand that, we find out that what we would have considered a, a, a difficult weakness, and we've all been there, God's actually going to turn around and use that in your life somewhere, some way, someday to help someone get well. And you never know who it might be and when it might happen. Why wouldn't the man want to get in the well? Would anyone in their right mind want to stay in that condition? Did, could he not at least roll himself over? What was keeping him from that? Obviously, paralysis will make it impossible to move. Why 38 years? Had he become comfortable with this condition in life? That happens to us, you know. We may live in some insanity and we choose rather than to deal with the insanity, we decide we'll just be comfortably insane. Nothing's much gonna change. We just don't wanna deal with it. It's too hard, isn't it, to change? To deal with habits? To learn to love people that may not love you back? Nothing was going to happen in this man's life until somebody stepped up and in his mind helped him get in the pool. He just wanted to get in the water. Jesus came along and he didn't need the water. Jesus said, get up, fold your mat up and go home. Did he have a home? Where would he go? He was putting his faith in the wrong person in the wrong place. He thought the water was the only solution. It wasn't. He didn't know that this man who had shown up was Jesus, God in flesh. Another question I want to pose is, how do you know if you're not well? How do you know if you're not well? And, and don't look at anybody down the road next to your family member otherwise, but what... What if the person with you is not well and they don't know it and you need to tell them? Or maybe you've tried and they don't want to hear it. How do you know if you're not well? Do you have any true friends who've been there with you through the good times and the bad times? Have anyone around you that owes you nothing but calls you friend? Someone who has nothing to gain or lose by just being your friend and, and walking alongside and saying, if you want to get well, I'm willing to help, but I'm not going to bug you about it because you've got to desire it. You've got to want change. It's a season where maybe you're in a spiritual or an emotional trial. There's a season where our attitude may have us paralyzed. There are seasons where you've turned to food and all kinds of things to ease the pain. Do you want to get well? Do you have a friend who needs help getting well? The man in our story was paralyzed. And we all come to moments of paralysis, troubles that we didn't see coming, troubles we may have brought on ourselves, troubles we cannot see due to our own self-sufficiency, trouble due to blind spots, or trouble that just comes by nature of being a human being on a trial-filled temporary world. Where for some reason, young people, even children, die way too young. It's a trial-filled, temporary world, and every now and then we just get a dose of that. 
And how thankful. You know, one of the thoughts I began to think last Sunday as the day went on, I'm just so thankful they're in this church family. Because I know for a fact their needs will be met. They're going to be okay. They don't feel it right now. But I'm thankful we get the privilege of walking alongside them through this storm. We all come to moments in our lives where we're paralyzed by trials and troubles we didn't see coming. And you have to ask yourself today, what keeps you paralyzed? What's, what's having, what are you having trouble letting go of? Arrogance, have all the answers. Control freak, got to have it your way on your terms and your time. Stingy with what God's put in your life and in your hands. Holding a grudge. Mark someone off because they hurt you. Bitter, prideful, insecure, the list is long. And you think God doesn't see all this? Of course he does. Of course he does. And I think in order to answer the question, do you want to get well, I think we have to consider four things here. Real quick, I'll give these to you. The first one is, you've got to ask the question, it's kind of like the first step of 12 steps, do you want to be free? Do you want to get well? Are you willing, that's the second question, are you willing to accept the responsibility of making the changes getting well is going to take? I mean, the beauty of one thing I discovered in AA was that the steps progressively, they're each step you take, and one builds on the other all the way to step 12. And, and you'll learn if you have ever been in uh, any kind of a Bible study group with 12 steps or in, in AA or some other meeting where there is the 12 steps being taught or talked about, you'll learn that sometimes you get to step four or five and something happens and you've got to kind of start over. That's called human nature. It happens. Are we willing to accept the responsibility of change, of helping someone get through something, of dealing with things in our own lives that have us paralyzed. This man in the story would have to get up and walk and figure out now how to manage his life, provide for himself. He'd have no reason to lean on anybody else as he'd been doing for 38 years. Jesus constantly challenges us that whatever we have received from him, whatever insight whatever miracle has come our way, we are now healed to help another person find healing as well. Do you want to be free? Are you willing to accept responsibility that comes with it? Third thing you've got to decide, are you ready to have the faith to do what Jesus tells you to do? Remember, Jesus will call on us to do things that are completely opposite what the world would tell us to do, even common sense of the world. Jesus says, give, it'll be given to you. He says, be generous. Forgive others. Forgive people. Let, forgive them like you've been forgiven. That's hard to do. But that's the Jesus way. Are we ready to have the faith to do what Jesus tells us to do? Because Jesus never heals us in a way 
that leaves us unable to do what he's asked us to do. He did not provide this lame, this paralyzed man. He didn't provide a partial healing. He provided an instant miraculous healing that completely changed his life. And it's exactly what Jesus desires to do for all of us. But you've got to admit that change is needed and you've tried everything else But the ultimate change can only come when you discover how loved you are by the God who made you and knows everything about you and still loves you. I'll never get over the power of that, the beauty of that. Do you really want to be free? Do you want to get well? Do you want to accept the responsibility of being well? Are you ready to have faith to do what Jesus tells you to do? And it might feel really awkward at first. And the fourth thing we have to consider here again, as I've already said, is God calling you to be the one who's going to help someone get well. Jesus asked this man to do something he'd never done before. Walk. Walk. So do you want to get well? Mother Teresa said, you can either get better or feel better. Two different choices. And frankly, I believe in our culture, in this world, we really don't want to get better, but we do want to feel better. I don't want to change anything about my life. I don't want to deal with habits that might be destroying me. I want a pill to make me feel better. I want to be insane and feel better about it. I don't want to feel bad about it. So I I, I want to just, I I don't want to get better. I just want to feel better, and that means I, got to, I need another prescription. Doc, can you please help me? I'm not against prescriptions at all. Look at my briefcase. You'll see my point. But we just want to feel better. Just give me something to help me feel. I don't want to deal with the root cause. Mother Teresa nailed it. Get better or feel better. And maybe you like me and all of us, can reflect on a time that all was not well. But God and God's great people showed up. Just showed up. That's what I love about this church. Last night, um, I went to get our pizza. Saturday night, now Saturday night's pizza night because our pizza guy closed on Sundays. And um, it's been traumatic for us. Um, So we literally, we get the pizza on Saturday night and that toast, that toaster oven, boy, that thing's gold. Just tastes like it's been fresh out of the restaurant, you know? So we love this pizza place up. It's up on Memorial, uh, Sicilian and, uh, we love Alex. He makes pizzas. So I was getting pizza last night and I've met his sons, uh, thought I had met uh, the sons, but uh, a gentleman, a younger guy came out of the, uh, from back uh, the kitchen and, um, kind of just stared at me for a minute. And I didn't know if his parents had told him that this guy's wacko and you need to go see for yourself or what. He just kind of looked at me and it was a little, threw me off a little bit. And, and so he went back, uh, back in the kitchen and all of a sudden he comes out kind of walking kind of fast coming towards me. <laughs> and he goes, you're Marty Grubbs, aren't you? And I didn't know which way to go that, at that moment, you know, 
I had a hat on all that. I had the disguise going and no, I've never heard of him, you know. I said, yeah, I, I am. I usually don't look this bad, but yeah, I, I, I am Marty Grubbs. He said, I watch you on TV every Sunday. I've been watching you for two years. I just got out of prison after two years and you were there every Sunday. And your church was there every Sunday, every week. And I told him, I can't take credit for that. I just do what I'm told to do. I do what God's told me to do and what God has given me a gift to do, I suppose. But that just, I had all kinds of thoughts driving back home. It's just two miles and I needed about 50 miles to process all that. And I could have just started eating the pizza and gone on and Kim would just been mad when I got home. But I can go get more pizza. You know, you can always get more. But here's what flooded my thinking. Number one, I'm thankful that he thought he could tell me. He knew he could tell me he'd been in prison. I'm glad he thought he could tell me. I'm glad he did. See, that's what I love about our church. It's the kind of church we are. That's what I love about this place. And I'm glad we were there for, now he's rebuilding his life and we get a chance to walk alongside him now to finish what God allowed us to be a part of to begin with. He wants to get well. And we get a chance to be a part of that. God is always ready to do something miraculous when you're willing to take a step of faith and trust him. Turn to him, cry out to him, he will answer. Do you want to be well? I'm gonna invite the prayer teams to the front of all of our rooms as we close. After I pray, as you're leaving the room you're in, uh, feel free to go to the front of that room. Our prayer teams and pastors will be available to pray with you about anything. You may need uh, help sorting through or just someone needing to pray for you for a situation that you're dealing with in life or maybe just some peace that you need. We would love to serve you in that way by allowing us to pray for you. So we'll be available at the front of all the rooms uh, after I pray. Let's pray now. Father, we're so thankful for the privilege of your Bible, which is so simple in so many ways and so practical as much as it is confusing in ways we will never understand. Father, we thank you today that you have given us a privilege of being as well as one can be in a trial-filled temporary world. And I pray for people who have the courage to choose to get well. And I pray that for our family we call crossings, we'll continue to be there for people ready to get well. Walk alongside them, celebrate with them, pray for them, encourage them, whoever that may be. Father, how we thank you for your kindness and your blessings to us. In Jesus' name, amen.